It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now, Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. All right, what's up, Las Vegas? Hot Mike. Hot Mike. Uh, anyway, welcome to the show. I can't hear myself. There we go. Now we're good. Well, show's off to a good start. Hello, everybody. <laughs> welcome. It is Wednesday, hump day. Of course, you know what that means. Michelle Mortensen, the eight-time Emmy winner, is joining us in studio, as always. And, boy, we got a jam-packed show lined up for you today. In hour number two... Congressman Stephen Horsford is going to be joining us in studio, so really looking forward to talking to him. You know, his opponent, Sam Peters, who has ignored requests to do this show, held a press conference the other day, and in that press conference, uh, all he talked about was Horsford's extramarital affairs, and I guess Horsford's uh, wife posted some stuff on Twitter. That's all Sam Peters did, just went personal. So I want to give uh, Congressman Horsford the opportunity to respond to that, and we're going to talk about the issues. We're going to talk about gun control, abortion. And is Stephen Horsford worried that uh, it could be a red wave coming? We'll talk to him about all that coming up in hour number two. Michelle, good to see you as always. How's it going? Going really well. I can't believe we're just, you know, six days away to yeah. the election. It's a busy time. It Everyone is, is just... Uh, Amped up. I guess if you're a political person, you're amped up, right? If you hate politics, you're like, I yeah. need these commercials to end. You know, it's like I like talking about the issues and uh, I like talking about policy at times. But I got to tell you, man, I'm, I'm getting sick and tired of this stuff. I really am. We're going to talk about the Paul Pelosi attack. Some of the Republicans that are responding to it. I want to get your thoughts on that. We'll get to that at the bottom of the hour. But, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people talk about you know, voter integrity on the right these days. And, and, you know, they're they're at these polls wearing camouflage, which is really weird. Some of these Republicans sitting there 100 feet away wearing camouflage, looking like a bunch of dopes that they are. Well, I voted yesterday. I've got my sticker to prove it. There you go. Um, so I went uh, to Jackson's Bar and Grill yesterday, hung, hanging out with my friend Brian Slipbach, the owner there. And he said he was going to vote. And I said, you know what? Why don't we get it out of the way early? And I'll do it as well. So uh, not too far away, about five minutes away, I went to uh, Desert Breeze, the park there, uh, the, the building facility there at the park. Uh, yeah. they, had, they had an early voting. Uh, so I said, great, well, let's get this out of the way. Let's do it. And listen, I'm pretty public with who I vote for because I don't really care. But I went in there and I voted for a very few, but a couple Republicans. And the rest were all Democrats, and I didn't really vote for judges because I don't know who the hell they are. I guess that's a good thing because I'm not in court. <laughs> I'm not getting in trouble with the law. So I didn't vote for people that I didn't know. I only voted for people that I knew. And it went great. I'll be honest with you. I went in there, and people were very nice. There weren't a lot of people there. That's probably a good thing for Republicans. But I went in there, did my thing, five minutes in and out of there. Everything was, everybody was very nice. As I'm walking out... There are some Republicans that are running for office that were there with their handlers or their volunteers, whoever the hell they are. Um, guy comes up to me. He's running for Nevada Assembly, Nevada State Assembly. I'm not going to say his name because as I've talked to several people, 
They have advised me not to say his name because it'll give him free publicity, and I certainly don't want to help this idiot. So he comes up to me, and he's like, hi, I'm blah, 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 blah. I'm running for Nevada State Assembly. I said, okay. And he says to me, who did you vote for? And I looked at him with this look like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why would you ask me that outside of a voting play? I said, that's none of your damn business. You know how I am. I just, I don't mince, I mean, you know, I say what's on my mind. I said, that's none of your business. I said, the audacity of you to ask me who I voted for. And then he kind of got snippy with me. Are you a liberal? Are you a Democrat? Are you a liberal? Did you vote for Joe Biden? So I told him (laughs) to, I told him to F off. And then I found out who he was because I didn't know who he was. And, uh, he started telling me that Donald Trump won the 2020 election, watched Dinesh D'Souza's 2,000 Mules, everything you'd hear from a right-wing idiot on the far right. And as we're having this conversation, and I'm basically calling him a moron, and I'm walking away, I start to walk away. One of his assistants, I don't believe it was his wife, who was wearing his shirt, one of his assistants starts following me, and I don't know if she was Hispanic, I assume she wasn't white, she calls me a white boy cracker. Now, <laughs> now, I am very white, ladies and gentlemen. I can't recall ever been called a cracker before, but that is a racist term. And I looked over at this guy that's running for office, who, by the way, is also white. He really called you yes. a cracker? His, not him, <laughs> but his... His. I mean, I'm just blown away right now. This story just blows my mind yes. more and more as you tell it. I okay. find to get myself in these situations a lot, and I don't know why, Michelle. So I, <laughs> I went back. As I'm starting to walk to my car, and I was called a cracker, I went back and I addressed this guy. And I said, it's good to know that you have such wonderful staff working for you that would uh, go racist route. It gets worse. Oh, God. How's it get worse? So, I am a juvenile diabetic. Okay. And sometimes when you're a diabetic, you keep medication in your car. Yeah. Sometimes you don't. Yeah. You are allowed to have a handicapped pass, not for a physical disability, but for a health issue. So that if your blood sugar is messed up and you need to rush to your car to give yourself insulin, or you have candy or juice in your car and you need... It's. I don't usually park in handicapped. I save that for people that have physical issues. Sure. The reason why I parked in a handicap there is because there were about 20 spots and nobody was parked in them. And and the other lot was full. So I said, okay, I'm just going to park here for 5, 10 minutes. No harm. And you had your little placard. Either. Absolutely, 100%. I keep it with me all the time. Okay. As I'm getting into my car, one of his staffers say, oh, you're, where's your handicapped pass? I get out of my car again, and I say, here it is, you moron. None of your business, but here it is. And then she responds by saying, oh, that explains some of the things you said, as if if you have a disability or a disease that somehow that makes you not intelligent having uh, having that type of pass. So just despicable people. This man is despicable who's running for office. His assistant or friend or whatever was wearing his shirt is despicable racist every name in the book completely ignorant and this guy's not even aware of the laws first of all he wasn't a hundred feet away that's what you're supposed to be second of all voters don't want to be harassed it doesn't matter whether you're a democrat or republican i don't like it when people that are running for office are standing hovering over people that are going in there trying to vote that's why people don't vote that's why the turnout isn't huge 
uh, at least it, it was in 2020, but people get tired of this nonsense. It's, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. I don't mind mixing it up with people. If this jackass wanted to come on the show, I probably would invite him on and destroy him. But what despicable people around this guy... And listen, there were other people there that weren't bothering anybody. They were trying to get people to sign petitions for certain things. I don't have a problem with that. But when you're a candidate and you behave this way, I'm sorry, Michelle, but I'm just going to call it out. I didn't see any Democrats out there that were doing that, only Republicans running for office. Uh, I've never been harassed by a Democrat outside of a voting place, never. Uh well, you shouldn't be by anyone. I mean, number one, I'm surprised there weren't poll workers there that were telling them to stay the 100 feet. And while mm-hmm. exit polling is a thing, just in preparation of this interview, I made some calls and I was like, hey, do we even have any exit polling data? You know, what's going on with mm-hmm. the Laxalt and Lombardo camp? Can you give me some information? And they're like, you know what? We haven't even discussed any of that yet. So uh, exit polling is a thing that I'm totally okay with. But exit polling is when a pollster asks like, hey, can we ask you some questions now that you voted? And you w- willingly do it. I'm just shocked beyond all shock that any political candidate for any party would sit there and harass you after you voted. You've already voted. The vote is lost. You're not changed. You don't get to go back in there and be like, God, you know what? I just talked to this dude outside. Can I go and change my vote? Even if it's before. I mean, it was totally inappropriate. Totally. And I I don't think that those running for office should be allowed to be there. I'm sorry. I just don't. Uh, And how stupid are we? Uh, Are we going to change our mind and vote for somebody because we see their sign? I mean, I don't understand how stupid people are in this country. They really are. And I am mesmerized by the people that were working for this guy and the things that they were saying to me and how stupid they are. Trump won the 2020 election. Okay, well, where's your, where's your evidence? Where's your proof of that? Dinesh D'Souza, 2,000 mules. So we're talking about, not to get into the election crap again, but since we're talking about voting... We're talking about what would have been arguably the biggest crime in American history, that an election was stolen. And the go-to person that you think I should find my information from is the felon in a documentary, Dinesh D'Souza and the Pillow Idiot. These are the two people where you're getting your sources from. And then it's the same thing all over again. I have these conversations with so many morons. I'm not talking about you, Michelle. I'm talking about the the election deniers. And it's the same thing over again. He was 0-60 in the courts. His own attorneys couldn't find any evidence of widespread voter fraud. The only people in this state that have actually been arrested for voter fraud are Republicans. Uh, And then the response I got from this idiot running for office was, oh, there's fraud. There, There was fraud. I said, yeah, dope. That's what I said to him. I said, there's fraud in every election. Just because there's some fraud doesn't mean that it was enough to overturn the outcome of election. Why, Michelle, why are people so stupid? I guess that's my question. Why are people so stupid? I, have, I still have these conversations with people. I mean, I know there's a lot of things about what happened yesterday that infuriates you. But two <laughs> of the things that I think stand out the most mm-hmm. is, um, well, if somebody called me a cracker, like, I would laugh. I'd. I don't, have, I don't have a problem with it. I don't think that's but funny. No, I don't think it's, that's funny. It's right, but it's not appropriate, right? Yeah. But then they took it a step further. Right. And then they were like, oh, well, you're not disabled. And they're trying right. to make... Those right. are two things that stand out to me as, as real problems. Because number one, well, I would laugh if someone called me a cracker. That's just because of who I am and in nervous energy. Like, I'm going to laugh, right? I'm not going to know what to do, so I'm going to laugh. But we shouldn't be using derogatory terms toward anyone. And this was just such an unnecessary situation to happen outside a polling booth. And it... it It kind of frustrates me even more because I do know that you're a registered independent. I do know that you vote for both sides of the aisle. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's incidents like that that drive you further and further away from the Republican Party. Yes, you're right. You're 100% right. I hate that because... 
I know who the individual. I, I don't know this person individually, but you told me. I their told name. you who he was. Yeah. And so I, I while I don't know this person individually, mm-hmm. there this person does have a bit of a reputation, mm-hmm. and this person is likely going to lose, um, according to the numbers that we're seeing at the moment. Um, but it just it was so inappropriate and so weird. I actually on the way here I called someone. I said, "So Brian's going to want to talk about this on the radio," and he was like, "Who was it?" And I told him. He's like, "That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Like, who does that?" And I was yeah. like, "I know, yeah. it's insane." Yeah. So um, none of it makes sense. Yeah. But in order to tie this into a little bit of uh, national news as well, you know, you made a point that you know we should be consistent and that we really shouldn't be talking down to people, right? We should we should respect people enough and not talk down. I was disappointed that Hillary Clinton kind of was talking down to people this week on a Joy Reid interview where um, she was on uh, Joy Reid's show, which was on MSNBC, and the host asked Clinton if she believed voters were properly aware, if they understood the threat the country faces with Republicans projected to retake the House and possibly the Senate. And Clinton responded that she believes Americans don't really understand what that could mean. She said, I quote, I think that with all of the noise that we've got going on in this election season, I don't think that people are really able to grasp that. But more importantly, I'm not sure they really understand Mm -hmm. the threats to their way of life. Agree. I just, okay, I disagree. And I, I guess my problem, and I think this is my point, let's not insult one another all the time and say that you're just too stupid to know what's going on. You're too stupid to... Let's not insult people like this. I think it's wrong from her, just as I think it's wrong from this individual who did it to you. Michelle, I think there is a fine line between telling people that they don't understand something and then calling people extremely stupid, but I will say this, and this isn't me being mean, this is me being honest. I think we need to be honest with one another. Six out of ten Republicans still believe that Donald Trump won the 2020 election. Let me be very clear. If you're one of those people, it's either one of two things. Either you know it's a lie and you're just an awful human being, or you're extremely stupid. Now, there's no nice way of putting that. If you believe Donald Trump won the election, you're not very bright. Um, Hillary Clinton is being honest. There is a large contingency of people in this country that do not understand what is at stake here. There is a large contingency of people in this country that do not even understand the issues. There are people in this country, you know, it's interesting. Howard Stern used to do segments about this, and he'd go up to, you know, MOS. You know what that is, man Mm -hmm. on the street. Some people don't even know who the vice president is right now. Some people don't even know who their governor is. Those people are stupid. Those people are uneducated. Those people – now – I'm not talking about having to sit in front of your TV. We're in the news business and watch the news every day. We're obviously privy to all the information that's going on out there. And that, by the way, that's the way I like it. I want to know what's going on in this country. Sometimes some people aren't stupid. They just don't care. They don't care about the issues. They don't want to pay attention to it. So that's a different type of thing. But what Hillary Clinton is saying, I completely agree with. There are a lot of people in this country that don't understand what the issues are, that don't understand what's at stake. Now, if she did that interview and she said, Most Americans in this country have a low IQ. Most Americans in this country are not capable of understanding. Then to an extent, I would agree with you. But she didn't say that. So I don't have a problem with anything that she said. But uh, what I do have a problem. But I guess she's saying to me, 
it's almost like she's saying, Michelle, I'm not sure you really understand the threats to your your way of life if you support Republicans. And that's not true. I am absolutely supporting Republicans in these races because I do believe in what they're going to do. I do believe in what they stand for. And I do not believe they what are a they threat to our for? way of life. I believe they are going to focus on the economy. At least I hope that they are. I believe they're going to do things to help with American oil and American oil production. I do believe in fighting for the right to life and protecting babies. I do believe in doing what is right and righteous. And I don't believe, like, Biden's going to be talking tonight about the threat to democracy if Republicans win. Yeah. And excuse me, that's some baloney. No, it's not. That is completely no, it's not. Because democracy means that the people have their say. And we're having an election right now. Michelle. And guess what? People are going to have their say. That's democracy in action. But, Michelle, here's what you're forgetting, and I'm shocked that you're forgetting this. There are people that are running for office that are Republicans like the Kerry Lakes and the Adam Laxalts, that if they lose, they will not accept defeat. They won't accept it. They're going to call it lying. Accepting our democracy... If they don't accept it, that's on them. But at the end of the day, it doesn't destroy democracy because they it don't doesn't? get to say... No, because... What they, happened on January 6th, then? It, That was an incident. It didn't destroy democracy because guess what? We still have democracy going on in this it republic was, because we are a republic and not... It was an attempt a, to overthrow the government. And it didn't work. And you have people... And like, it didn't work. Uh, and people, it wasn't successful. People died we still that day. A, we are still a democratic republic. Doesn't it bother you that there are Republicans running for office that if they, when they are asked the question, if you lose, will you accept the results? They say no, but if they win, they'll accept it. No, How I, could you not I'm have bothered, a problem with that? I'm bothered that Hillary Clinton continues to say that I'm not smart enough to make decisions for my own. I'm, I'm, not, myself. I'm not asking you about I Hillary I now. May, but, no, but that's what I, I, I am making the decisions to vote for Republicans. That's not what she said. You're also not taking what she said. You're taking it out of context. I read what, what you said, and that's not what Hillary said. She is saying, which I agree with, that there are there's a part of America that does not understand that what is at stake. I agree with her. That would be the case for the for since I've been alive. I, I don't understand what you think is going to dramatically happen that is so disastrous if sure. the Republicans take the House sure. and Senate. I'll give you I'll give you a couple answers. And I asked Joe Walsh this question yesterday. They're going to get rid of Social Security. No, they're, they're not. Really? Ever, Scott is, already admitted that's no, what they were going no, to do. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He that was a lie. In fact, so Scott fact, lied. Fact, he lied about. No, Factcheck.org has already proven that that was a lie, as did the Washington Post. There is no plan on the Republican sides from Rick Scott so, or anyone otherwise. You need to go back and look what he said on I, television. Listen, I, I checked it today because I knew you were going to mm. bring this up. So Factcheck.org is not a Republican I'm going by what Scott said Neither in an interview. Neither is the Washington Post. And at the end of the day, they are not going to get rid of Social mm. Security. There is no plan for that whatsoever. It is a blatant lie. Okay, well then I guess and Scott's the a liar. The, yeah, no, he's not a liar. He That's never what he said, said he was going to do that. That's no, what he said. No, no, he had a plan and a plan was talking about <laughs> sunsetting certain programs and it never brought up social security ever okay you need to ever, go back and look ever, at the interview ever. because i'm well, not making that up I, I, um but uh, you asked me some okay, other so things everybody that, else who fact checked it and said that is not true the republicans do not have any plan whatsoever to make that happen t- doesn't matter i'm talking about like, i heard some interview at some point and scott, that means it's 110 percent scott true. said even if scott did say it who the heck is scott he's one senator out of a hundred he doesn't get to mm-hmm. obliterate social security it is such a lie from the left and the negative 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 connotation that republicans have received during this midterm election from the mainstream media that makes people believe that we're getting rid of social security when there is no such thing okay. mitch mcconnell has gone on the record there is no plan <laughs> no Mc- plan whatsoever mitch to get rid mcconnell's of very trustworthy and it but, is so um, disgusting that biden and the democrats continue to peruse this lie and that, to make people scared and to make people believe a lie it's just crap okay well I'll, I'll tell you right now i don't believe it to be a lie number one and number two uh when we talk about the abortion 
abortion issue. You can call yourself pro-life and disagree with me, but if Republicans had their way and they were controlling this country, uh, abortion would be illegal. It would be illegal in this country. So that is also a very important point at stake. Uh, That is for sure. The Um, Washington Post gave President Biden's claim that the Republicans are taking, going to go after Social Security and Medicare for Pinocchios. For Pinocchios, saying that that is a blatant lie. All right. Well, this is according to the New York Times. You could agree or disagree with it. Several influential Republicans have signaled a new willingness to push for Medicare and Social Security spending cuts as part of future budget negotiations with President Biden. Their ideas include raising the age for collecting Social Security benefits, 70 from 67, requiring many older Americans to pay higher premiums for their health coverage. The idea is floated as a way to narrow government spending on programs that are set to consume a growing share of federal budget in the uh, decades ahead. Uh, there's lists of Republicans that have these put in place, uh, and that's Changing why... Changing the age, though, is not getting rid of Social Security. I understand, but it's a start. I understand, but it's a start. Okay, but so, but I'm just saying, so what Biden and the Democrats are saying is that we're going to get rid of it as Republicans. That is a blatant lie. It is not true. Changing the age is addressing the issue that as of, I believe it is 2027, I believe, uh, Social Security will be bankrupt. So obviously something has to be done. I, obviously no one's going to take care of it. I, I'm either wrong. It's not 27 by or the way, By the way, remember. Rick Scott is the chairman of the Senate Republicans. You're making it like just he's just another senator. That's also, day, also not true. At the he's just one vote. He's he just pro- one He proposed vote. subjecting nearly all federal spending programs to a renewal vote every five years. Like Johnson's plan yes. that would make Medicare and Social Security more vulnerable to budget cuts. It's a start. And that's but why it was a part of a plan that he said that according to factcheck.org was manipulated and not part of his okay. original plan. Well, that's so what he said. I, and, I'm just and, saying so we we talk about fact checkers. I just gave you two that are not Republican, okay. uh, Washington Post and and factcheck.org. So we can argue about it. It's it's really not something that we need to argue about or okay. waste listeners' well, time with. I, I I don't know what Republicans stand for, and I've had it quite Quite frankly, um, nothing when it comes to gun control unless more guns, which is absurd. Uh, when it comes to Obamacare, all they want to do is they want to complain about Obamacare and how horrible it is, yet they have no replacement plan. Uh, when talking uh, about raising the minimum wage, Republicans don't want to raise the minimum wage one iota. They don't want to do that. They want, don't want to help poor people. They want to help rich people. I have no idea what Republicans stand for. With that being said, I did vote for a few Republicans that I know personally yesterday, but as a whole... I just think some of the people that are running for office in this state are despicable. I'm not talking about Joe Lombardo right now. We can get to that. But I am talking about Adam Laxalt, who is a despicable human being. His only family won't vote for him. All he does is lie and spread propaganda. He's an idiot, and he's disgraceful. Adam Laxalt is a disgraceful human being. I'm also talking about Jim Marchant, who says the most wacky things you could possibly imagine on a daily basis. How that guy could even... How could Herschel Walker even be a... Uh, a, a, a candidate. How could Republicans even put that guy up there? The guy is so stupid. I, 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 it's amazing to me where we're at now in society. Herschel Walker is somebody that is supported by many Republicans. And I feel the same way about John Fetterman. So Fetterman we're... had a stroke. Very different circumstances. But even before he had the stroke, I, I've got huge problems with that. Why? Case. Because everything he says is asinine and insane. And what? He Tell me. For the, the, his wanting to get rid of all fossil fuels, his wanting to uh, uh, get people all out of prison, to eliminate prison. He doesn't want to get his all people issues, out of prison. His issues that he... That's not true. Even that he was like, as mayor, he was as... I look at John Fetterman as... 
God love him, even though he had a stroke. I look at him as cousin, uh, Uncle Fester from the Adams family, okay. and that he's just literally a Democrat puppet who's up there to say okay. whatever they want and to be controlled. Okay. Well, I don't know what I don't know what his look means for anything, but uh, I mean, you voted for Donald Trump. He's certainly not Fabio, but uh, looks don't really. Uh, I don't really care. Uh, you you mentioned he wants to get everybody out of prison. That's obviously not true. What Fetterman has talked he's about releasing people. From yes, prison. yes. What Fetterman has talked about, which by the way, I agree with is there are drug charges and certain people that are behind bars right now that should not be behind bars from growing their own weed years ago. There are still people in prison. He's specifically talking, he's not talking about murderers. He's not talking about rapists. He's never talked about violent criminals being put on the streets. Did you hear about the gentleman, this either happened yesterday or the day before, in New York who was let out with no cash bail, who then went and killed his wife, executed his wife in front of his children. And that is a horrible, Yeah, so that's why we have to get, we need bail. You need cash bail. You can't eliminate it. You can eliminate for traffic tickets and stupid stuff. But whenever you've committed okay. a violent crime, so we here's should the not deal. have, so here's the, have. So here's the deal on that. Um, and by the way, I am for capital punishment. And I am not one of those people that wants to give people a slap on the wrist. I think you know that about me. I do know that about you. Um, I guarantee you the people that allowed that person free who killed people wish they didn't do it. Oh, I And it was a horrible, horrible decision, obviously. And in hindsight, I'm sure they wish they didn't do it. Now, as a whole in this country, yes, I think we need to be tougher on criminals. There's no question about that. But you were specifically talking about Fetterman, and I agree with him on this issue. There are, there, while there are people that should be behind bars that are not, there are also plenty of people behind bars that shouldn't be behind bars. And this is where I disagreed with Kamala Harris uh, and, and at her time in office before she was vice president. There's a lot of people with drugs. Drug-related charges. I'm not talking about selling drugs. That's that's serious. I'm talking about taking drugs yourself or buying drugs for yourself. People with drug addiction that should not be behind bars. They should be getting help. Fetterman talks about that all the time. Now I understand you don't like Democrats. You don't like Fetterman. I understand that you hate Joe Biden. I don't care whether Fetterman had a stroke. He can still communicate. He might not be the best communicator these days verbally. But I can tell you right now, yes, Herschel Walker has taken a lot of hits to the head. But he also has absolutely. No idea what he's talking about when it comes to policy. He has no experience. He's an ignorant person. He's also a despicable person, a terrible father if you want to get personal. Terrible father, terrible husband, a liar when it comes to the abortion issue. Uh, I understand if people don't like some of Fetterman's policies because you don't like Democrats, fine. But Herschel Walker is an embarrassment to the Republican Party. I'm not going to say Fetterman's an embarrassment. The guy just had a stroke. He struggles to communicate. I think everybody should understand that. Herschel Walker is just a moron. And the fact that this guy, you want to talk about a puppet. There are people like Tom Cotton and Lindsey Graham that are supporting this guy. The guy doesn't know anything about anything. He has no sense and understanding of history. I don't even think the guy could could, could get a high school diploma. He's so stupid. Uh, he happened to be a great football player. You think he could pass any college? College course. Just listen to the guy talking. I'm not even. I'm not even talking about a brain issue that he might have. That's not what I'm. I'm talking. Listen to the guy's words when he is able to put a sentence together. The guy is an embarrassment. I understand you don't like Fetterman because of you know. Well, some, I'm not the biggest fan of Herschel Walker either, for that matter. Do, so I mean, I, but but I think at the end of the day, and I think this is what Democrats would say and Republicans would say at the end of the day, even if you don't like the candidate personally, you're not necessarily voting for them as a person. You're voting for what they bring to the table as. 
parties of power, right? So if you're supporting Fetterman, Fetterman right now, you're probably going like, I'm going to overlook the stroke. I'm going to overlook these things because I want the Democrats to have power. If you're voting for Herschel Walker, you're saying, you know what, I'm voting, whether I like him or not, I'm voting for him because I want the Republicans to have power. Sometimes you do overlook the person's personal character flaws and go what you think is going to be best for the country or for the party. Well, I, I don't think the two go hand in hand. I think a lot of people do, well, I'm, let me do what's best for the party, and they don't think about what's best for the country. Let me tell you something. Forget about policy. Herschel Walker is bad for the country. The guy is an embarrassment. If you don't like some of Fetterman's policies, okay, that's fine. That's that's a reasonable conversation to have. But last I checked, Fetterman is a pretty good father, pretty good husband, seems like a decent guy. You can disagree with some of his policies, but I don't think Fetterman is doing this because all he cares about is Democrats. I believe Fetterman says the things he says and does the things he does because he does care about his community. He cares about his constituents, and I believe he, he cares about this country. I really do believe that. Uh, I'm not voting in that race. I'm not able to vote against Herschel Walker. I'm not able to vote against Fetterman. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people in this state of Nevada that are dangerous people, that are very bad people dangerous people. I don't think Joe Lombardo's dangerous. I don't think he's, he's just, not. I don't think he's just a horrible person, but Adam Laxalt is. 14 members of his own family won't even vote for him. What does that tell you about his character? He will say and do whatever it takes to become elected. And I see him at all these events, right? On Facebook, he's taking pictures like, I don't see one black person or one minority. Like, I, I, I see these pictures, and I just go underneath it, and I go, wow, another really diverse Laxalt crowd. You know, it looks like a Klan rally. And, and I say it over and over again, Laxalt, Jim Marchant, Seagal Chatta, these are dangerous people with dangerous views attacking our democracy. When you say you're not willing to accept the outcome of an election if you lose, but if you win, everything's all fine and dandy, you are dangerous to this country. Uh, Carrie Lake in Arizona is a dangerous, deranged individual. The only reason why she talks about election fraud and the only reason why she won't admit that Trump lost and the only reason why she won't concede if she loses is because she knows it's red meat and that's how she gets votes. And sadly, this is the, where the Republican, is, uh, Republican Party is right now. Kerry Lake is a star within the party. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert. These are the stars of the Republican Party. And to me, it's completely— Can I ask you a question? Yeah, I, I think this sure. is an interesting question. So you say that Kerry Lake is a star of the party and that Kerry Lake— Upcoming rising star, sure. And I believe she's probably going to win. I agree. Um, and uh, Handedly. Mm-hmm. And here's what's interesting. A study was recently done that network coverage, 87% of GOP coverage is negative, and that 100% of Carrie Lake coverage on ABC, CBS, and NBC has been negative. And my question is this. Sure, she deserves it. My question is this. Knowing this, Mm -hmm. knowing that all the coverage has been all negative. Mm -hmm. She deserves it. Why is she going to win? Obviously, people don't believe the nonsense that the media is spewing out about this woman. I'll tell you why. Because there are a lot of idiot Republicans in the state of Arizona that don't believe that Donald Trump lost, and they believe conspiracy theories. I don't believe there are a lot of idiot Republicans in Arizona. I do. Mind you, they've got Democrat senators right now, two Democrat senators right now. The ones now. that support Kerry Lake are idiots. Anybody that would support a candidate, you you think, you think, you would you support somebody that is not? I do support Kerry Lake. I think Kerry Lake is going to be a great governor. I think she's going to do great things. I think she's an eloquent speaker, and I think she's run a wonderful campaign. A, a campaign, campaign based on lies. The, uh, no, her campaign has not been based on lies. She's going to do something about the border. She's going to do something What's about What's she going to do about the border? She said she has a border plan that she's going to unroll oh, really? on day one. Well, how come she hasn't uh, told us what she's going to do now? I can't answer that gotcha. for you. So I'm going to do something about the border, but, but I'm not going to tell Katie you about Hobbs, it until, until But Katie Hobbs won't 
do anything. I'm, I'm she not, won't go public with anything. She I'm didn't debate in the primary. It. But I, all I'm saying is she doesn't have to put anything out when her Democrat opponent won't even speak. Okay. I'm talking about Carrie Lake and right Carrie now. And Carrie Lake was willing to debate okay. Katie Hobbs, and Katie Hobbs refused. You, are, you would be supporting somebody who is not willing to admit that she lost the election if she loses. She's she, not going to lose. Okay, but she's that's going not, to win. But that's not the point. And my point is, is that all she's received is negative media coverage. She and maybe it. it's not true. Because maybe you're being played like so true. many people in America are getting what played right now. What if I right said that's now. not true? No. I'm saying the negative coverage that she's received. I'm not saying anything that coming out of your mouth. Your mouth, you are saying your opinion. What I'm saying is the media has done nothing but blast this woman Michelle, here's with why. negativity. Here's why. Here's why. And Americans and Arizonans aren't putting up with it. They're not taking it. Here's why. Every single time she speaks, and by the way, you're voting for somebody, or you would have voted for somebody if you lived in Arizona, that made a joke about the Pelosi attack. I played that yesterday. Okay. She made a joke. Only a despicable person would do that. You're voting for somebody that is attacking our democracy, not only with zero evidence to prove that Trump won in 2020. She goes along with Donald Trump that Trump won the 2020 election. She has campaigned on lies about election integrity. She is not willing to admit if she loses this election. The, the, the question isn't, oh, is she going to win or lose? If she does lose, she won't accept the results. That is an attack on our democracy. So it's, if you were in Georgia and um, Stacey Abrams loses again for the second time and denies the election results, are you going to say that she's an attack on our democracy? Stacey Abrams, to this day, to my knowledge today, is not campaigning about how uh, on election integrity and how elections have been stolen. The days and weeks after her election, she made some statements saying that she believed she won the election. She was wrong in making those statements because she didn't have evidence and to prove it. And that's not an attack but on here democracy. Is, but here's the difference. She never said that if she lost, she wouldn't accept the results. And she never rode the coattails of a president on a big lie after an insurrection. She never did that. For weeks after the election, she was not willing to admit that she lost. To this day, she has not made those statements. Trump has made those statements since he left office. Kerry Lake has made those statements since Donald Trump left office. Okay, so your line is they can deny the election for a little while, but if it's I don't agree. that's the problem. I don't agree with any candidate saying or disagreeing with an election result without any evidence or proof to back it up. What I don't like doing is whataboutism. And I can tell you right now, Stacey Abrams never campaigned on election integrity and election lies. Kerry Lake has. The reason why she has so much support among the Republicans is the same reason why, back in 2016, Donald Trump had so much support. Before the 2016 election, he ran his election on more lies. The elections are rigged. It's rigged for Hillary Clinton. And then he won. And then for the next three years, I didn't hear anything about election integrity from Donald Trump. And I didn't hear anything about election integrity from Republicans. And then he started it up again before the 2020 election. Donald Trump has even said in phone calls that have been reported, you can't admit you lost. You got to say, you know, election fraud. You got to say election fraud. He knows he's lying. Most Republicans with a brain know he's lying. Most Republicans with a brain know that Carrie Lake is lying, but they're still voting for her. If you don't like the policies put forth by her opponent, that's fine. We can talk about that. But at least have the decency to admit that Carrie Lake is lying. She is a fraud and she is a liar, but I like some of her policies. At least if you say that, I'll have a little bit of respect for you. But if you're going to say that I support Carrie Lake and I don't have a problem with her campaigning on the big lie because she does that in every interview. I'm just trying to figure out where the where the line is and and 
And these Don't are, lie. That's these the are line. genuine inquiries because um, I would argue that Stavros Anthony and um, Ross Miller that camp that that election mm. was so freaking close. I mean, ten as I told votes. as I told the Stavros Anthony when he sat in this chair, I understand why he questioned the election. The same reason yeah. why I understand Al Gore. That was an extremely close election. Yeah. those are completely different circumstances. Okay, I would agree with you on that. Okay. I, I'm just asking where the line is because for me, the line is if it's really close. Okay then it's understandable that the 2020 election was not close. Then then time out again. Then I have another question. So then April Becker was also looking into her election in 2020 against Ken Azaro, which was Mm -hmm. something like 100 votes. Mm -hmm. It was very, very close as well. And I see all these ads saying that she's an election denier. Well, because she's she's not willing to admit that Donald Trump lost the 2020 election. she has. Okay, then I'm not aware of that. So so she's not one of those people. I guess that's what I'm saying. Michelle, there's a fine line between saying, okay, this election was really close. Let's have a recount. And then saying that there was all this fraud and the election was rigged. Do you understand the difference? I, I do. The difference is that I don't agree with you in the way that you've interpreted Stacey Abrams' beliefs about her, her loss. And is her she, is she campaigning right now? Well, that... actually, for years afterward, because it's been four years now since she lost. So for four okay. years, she's talked okay, about so it. Let me... So the fact that she's not talking about it right now in the course of 2022 and she's okay. trying to deny that she wanted to okay. defund the police, even though she absolutely did, that she's trying to deny that Georgia, uh, she claimed that Georgia was, you know, Jim Crow 2.0. She's trying to deny things now, and that's fine. So if you, you have named, okay. So Michelle, let me try to be clear, here, and then we got to take a break. Any election official, whether you're a politician in office or not, that says that an election was fraud or says that it was rigged with no evidence or proof to back that up, is wrong. You named me one Democrat. I can name you hundreds of Republicans. I will give you Stacey Abrams. I do not support her. I don't like her answer when it came to defunding the police. Would you have I, voted for her or no. would you have voted for Kemp? Um, I probably wouldn't have voted for either, to be honest with you, because they're both idiots as far as I'm concerned. I don't like Stacey Abrams. But Kemp was very against Trump, so why do you think he's an idiot? Uh, based on his policy when it comes to abortion, based on his policies when it comes to taxing the rich, based on his policies when it comes to maternity leave, I don't I don't like what he stands for. But going back to Stacey Abrams, you name me one day. Democrat. I'll give you Stacey Abrams and I'll throw her in that same pack as well, even though it's nowhere near the level of what Kerry Lake is doing. There are hundreds of Republicans across the country that are lying about elections. It's an attack on our democracy. You name me one. If you name me more, I will call them out as well. It's wrong. It shouldn't happen. And I will never vote for somebody who was an election denier. But I do want to get your take on the Paul Pelosi attack because we talked about it a little bit off the air. Michelle Mortensen in studio, eight-time Emmy winner. I'm Brian Shapiro, a zero-time Emmy winner. We're going to take a quick break. <laughs> uh, and when we come back, by the way, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, Stephen Horsford is going to be joining us in studio. I know Michelle's going to have plenty of questions for him, as do I. He's going to be joining us in hour number two. I want to ask about... Uh, I guess uh, the hammer attack to uh, Paul Pelosi. We'll get the take on that coming up next. Open up the phone line, 702-221-7283. And again, if you want to join the program, now's the time to do it. Give us a call, 702-221-7283. Take a quick break. Be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super. 
Hero, that is. Because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. This announcement is brought to you by the Armed Forces Chamber, Nevada's largest and oldest chamber of commerce formed to serve Armed Forces members. Your opinion matters. Your vote counts. You can make history. Vote Patsy Brown as the first female to be public administrator. Patsy Brown is a contract lawyer. Patsy Brown is a federal contractor with 15 years of experience. Patsy Brown is a business owner with 25 years of experience. Patsy Brown is a philanthropist. Patsy Brown is a Rotorian. Patsy Brown is endorsed by attorneys, business owners, community leaders, legislators, pastors, seniors, and veterans. Vote Patsy Brown from October 22nd through November 4th and November 8th. Learn more at VotePatsyBrown.com. Again, that's VotePatsyBrown.com. Paid for by friends who vote Patsy Brown. Look, it's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas' top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment, and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams and treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client, so please give them a call, 702-248-0554. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and the latest lines on every game. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards on every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino, Fiesta Wildfire, or the El Cortez. Details at the Sportsbooks. A great time! Your entertainment destination, the South Point, invites you to experience the ultimate great time under one roof. Bowling, 
dancing, a live show, a movie, delicious dining, and one of South Point's 11 restaurants. So much to see. So much to do. You won't know where to start first. This week, make it a South Point week and discover for yourself why the South Point is your entertainment destination for a great time. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits. So glad you could join us. I hope you can join me. Michelle's invited. Sapphire Gentlemen's Club. <laughs> Tuesday, November 15th. It's the 15th annual Ping Pong Palooza. That's right. You get these ping pong teams. Here's the great part about it, though. Uh, it's raising money for charity for the Sapphire Prostate Foundation. 200 bucks for a ping pong team. You get a free buffet and a drink for each person. Uh, so that's Tuesday, November 15th. You can visit them. Are the ping pongers clothed? Well, I'm going to be clothed, so so that'll be a good reason for you to show up. If I wasn't, yeah, that might be a bad reason. But uh, I can't speak to everybody else. But uh, check it out, sapphireprostatefoundation.org slash pingpong to sign up. I got my team ready, man. I'm, 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 I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Well, who's your all-star team? I got several. Uh, oh, you don't want to reveal? Yeah, I don't want to reveal my, my uh, not my sources. I don't want to reveal my... Uh, you want to show your hand? Yeah, I don't want to show my hand. Like, right. Ooh. I've got some good ping pong players that are going to be ready to go. Got it. Uh, by the way, quick update. The Telus Court jury trial now set for, for April 17th of 2023. New security footage from the home across the street shows distant figures. Um, uh, and I can't read the rest of what that says. Near Herman's uh, house, I guess. There was a confrontation on the side of the house. Side of the house. Okay, so so that's new evidence that we didn't know existed. Uh, so uh, Telus is going to be going to jail for a very long time. By the way, his wife was in court with him the other day. Which, really? Uh, I found that she's still standing by his side for now. The current I, wife. Yeah, the current wife. So I find that... Uh, Interesting. Uh, we got Stephen Horsford coming up. Uh, he's going to be joining us in studio at the top of the hour. Plenty of stuff to get to with him. Uh, his race is against uh, Sam Peters. So we'll be talking about a number of issues coming up. So when I was in New Orleans over the weekend, Michelle, uh, obviously this Paul Pelosi attack took place. And my first response was, wow, this is this is really scary. Yeah. Uh, really, really scary. This is an older man. and even And by the way, I preface it by saying, I don't support Nancy Pelosi. I don't like her husband who just drove drunk. I'm not a big fan of, uh, of the Pelosi's. With that being said, I don't wish this upon anybody. You know, if somebody went into the home of Donald Trump, if Melania Trump was living under the same roof as, as him, which I don't think she is, if somebody badgered her with, with a hammer, I'd feel the same way. It's horrible. Nobody deserves that. And then in the hours and days after this, uh, some on the alt-right are making jokes Donald Trump is blaming Nancy Pelosi's policies on the hammer attack. Donald Trump's son is putting memes out there. Uh, the Dinesh D'Souza's of the world, even Ted Cruz and, is getting involved. And prominent Republicans, some prominent Republicans, spreading conspiracy theories that this was some sort of gay relationship gone bad. By the way, the police chief of San Francisco investigating this has said, multiple times now that they don't believe that Paul Pelosi and this attacker knew each other one bit and that the attacker went in there, broke through the windows and said, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? This was politically motivated and this is a scary situation. And there are some, notice I don't say all, there are some Republicans out there that are making jokes about this violent attack that probably would have taken Nancy Pelosi's life if she was there. Yeah, I mean, you you know me pretty well by now. And um, while I'm all about cracking a good joke, like, I have a line. And 
I can't crack a joke about something like this. It's just so inappropriate and, mm-hmm. and, and so wrong on so many levels. So mm-hmm. I can understand your disgust. I think we discussed earlier on the show, as soon as this happened, yep. I, I posted something, did a very long post on how all the violence regarding politics is wrong, whether it's Steve Scalise, whether it was the death threats made to Justice Kavanaugh. There was a Marco Rubio Walker who was violently beaten and in the hospital. Uh, Politically motivated crimes, no matter whether it's right or left or other, it's just inappropriate and wrong on so many levels. And even I was taken aback a bit by some of the comments on the post that I made um, from Republicans being just very dismissive and, and seeing the humor in it. I admit in the initial moments, you go, wow, okay, yeah. th- th- there's some weird things. Like, that's weird. But this dude is very weird. He's a known nudist protester freak yeah. show. So obviously, let's just go out on, I'll go out on a limb here and be like, you think he's mentally ill? Because I do. Anybody who goes into any home and beats somebody with a hammer right? is mentally ill. But I want I want to ask you this question for a moment. So Donald Trump Jr., uh, Donald Trump's son, posted jokes and, and, and memes and attacks on Paul Pelosi. Right. What do you think would have happened if in the hours and days after Steve Scalise was shot? People did that? If Bar- Hold on. Let me just finish. If Barack Obama's daughter went on social media... And made jokes about Scalise, that maybe he was in a gay relationship. How do you think Fox News and Republicans would have handled that if Barack Obama's daughter made jokes about Scalise being shot fighting for his life? Oh, I, I think if I, I think everybody would be outraged as as they should. So why are Republicans not outraged at Donald Trump Jr.? Well, I, I think again you're using such a broad term that Republicans aren't outraged, and they're I, not. I, I haven't seen anybody no. call out Don Jr. except for Democrats. I, I well so uh, so I'm a Republican so does that mean I needed to do a report on a post on Don Jr like I didn't even know about it I heard about it in passing it was some sort of Halloween joke right that and 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 talking about a possible gay relationship that they had I mean so like not every Republican sees all this like I know you're on Twitter and I think that's where you see all these things and I hate Twitter even it's though the president's like, son though he, I know but that doesn't mean that I'm going to comment on all of it. I think it's all repugnant I think it's all awful all right. and I think I've been very clear about that and all I can say is the Republicans that I talk to on a regular basis they've all had kind of the same yeah. reaction but I here's did. the point I'm trying to make Michelle so it's and not I, all Republicans here, I, I never said it was all Republicans but I don't see a lot of uh, many Republicans calling out the former president's son. Here's the point I'm trying to make, and I'll, I'll answer my own question, I guess. If Barack Obama's daughter put out funny memes, at least they think it was funny, after Scalise was shot fighting for his life, I guarantee you every single Republican would be calling it out. Well, I, I agree with you, and I think there is a double standard amongst Republicans and Democrats that when it's the other side, everyone goes, oh, that was so repugnant. And and, and when it's your side, I, I feel this double standard exists all the time. And I'll, I'll say one of the ways that I saw it first. Um, during the early days of Donald Trump's uh, campaign in 2016, you know, he said, grab him by the pee and all these other things. And there were a lot of people who were just very dismissive of it, who were just like, oh, I don't care. It's just locker, it's room, locker talk. room talk. And I always, me personally, um, and I was still in TV news at this time, me personally, I was always a little offended by that because Republicans were always so disgusted by Anthony Weiner or, you know, Bill Clinton. They made such a big deal about Bill Clinton and they, they didn't make a big deal about Donald Trump. I do believe that you have to have a standard of excellence. And what your standard is, is your standard and you shouldn't deviate from it depending on if they're a Democrat or a Republican. So 
that hypocrisy, I actually agree with you 110 percent on. But Michelle, not okay, and it happens all the time. But tell me if you disagree with me on this. And I, I compare it to Scalise because that was a politically motivated attack. It was, and it was a very serious attack. He just still like can't walk right. Right, I understand. Just and I'm sure Paul Pelosi will never be the same again. Oh, he fractured right. his skull. He's an older man. He's still not out so, of the hospital. Right, he's very serious. I feel for that family. So when we go back to that Scalise shooting, and right after it happened, I called it out right away. It was horrible by a madman. Even though I don't think the violence was incited by Bernie Sanders, I think you can make the argument that some of the incitement and some of the rhetoric that Donald Trump and some on the far right talk about Pelosi. uh, But anyway, getting back to Scalise, I don't recall one Democrat in office or a Democrat's son or daughter putting funny memes out about Scalise as he was fighting for his life. While it's not the entire Republican Party and not the majority of the Republican Party, there's at least dozens of prominent Republicans that have made jokes, conspiracy theories. And by the way, why is it then we have some sort of violent attack that Republicans seem to be obsessed with homosexuality? There's no evidence. To, where did this come from? I, I don't know. I, my only my only way I can come up is that they were both in their underwear. Now, granted, uh, Pelosi was probably like asleep. He's probably sleeps in his underwear. So I'll give him that. And the nudist dude is is a nudist. So I'm actually not that shocked. Well, he he's was a terrorist. So let me let me talk to you about him. So his name is DePape. He stated that he was in, in an interview with police. This isn't hearsay. He stated that he was going to hold Nancy hostage and talk to her. And that uh, if he didn't get the truth from her, he would let her go. Or if he got the truth from her, he would let her go. But if she lied, he was going to break her kneecaps. Um, He articulated and viewed Nancy as the leader of the pack of lies told by the Democratic Party. He talked about election fraud and how he believed Donald Trump won the 2020 election. Boy, I wonder where he got that from. Uh, He stated that he broke into the House through a glass door, which was a difficult task. He was looking for Nancy Pelosi. He was going to grab Nancy Pelosi when she woke up. Instead, he found Paul Pelosi uh, when he found out that she was not present. Uh, so it goes on and on and on. Um, this was a politically... He's a psycho. Well, yeah. And you could say a lot of the people on January 6th were psychos, too, that were uh, chanting, hang Mike Pence. Uh, and those that wanted to, you know, that were defecating on Nancy Pelosi's desk. Um, it's interesting, too, because I had a conversation with a Republican yesterday about this uh, and uh, just kind of defending these insurrectionists. And it's like, I want consistency. Yes. I want to call out hateful rhetoric that could lead to these types of things on uh, you want to say both sides fine it seems like it's happening a lot more on the right these days than the left we need to call out this behavior and on a day this is another thing that disgusts me about politics the day that paul pelosi was fighting for his life and he was in surgery we still had yunkin and some of these other people that are in office that were saying don't I don't support violence, but we're going to send Nancy Pelosi back home and out of office. Can't you just lay off of that for a few hours or a day? To me, it's disgraceful. Like, that's the equivalent of the day Scalise was shot fighting for his life. Democrats campaigning and saying, we're going to get Scalise out of office. Can't you just lay off it for a day? It's, it's disgraceful. I, I don't think candidates feel they can lay off for a day. I'll just be really honest with you. They're freaked out and they're worried and we're in like the midnight hour. So I, I don't give anyone. I, if you're campaigning after this happened, I don't have a problem with that. I do have a problem with people being a gross and, and disgusting and not being respectful. And I remember one of the things as soon as this happened, Sandra Smith on Fox News, it kept asking like, well, we haven't gotten a report if he's out of the hospital. 
hospital and I would literally yell at the TV and I'd be like, are you an idiot? He was beaten in the head with a hammer. Right. He's 80 something years old. Right. He ain't getting out for days. Why do you keep asking? Like, has he been released from the hospital? I wanted to be like, shut up. Yeah. It's not fun to watch the news with me because I will literally yell at everyone because yeah. everyone who says something idiotic, yeah. I yell at. It's like the local news. I can't watch it. I can't watch it either. Yeah, so the local news is just so annoying. I can't watch it. You know, it, but, but I mean, yeah. so I, I, the only thing that I thought was the only thing that I, I hope I get to answer, get the answer to this question is the 911 call was really interesting. And so I, the reporter in me is like, I want to know more to this story. He was fairly calm, cool, and collective. He called him a friend. That I don't get. Um, the 911 operator was really like, Johnny on the spot mm -hmm. and made sure that police got there right away. But the 911 call, I do have certain questions that as a journalist, like I can't wait to get more information. And God willing, Paul Pelosi survives this and is in a place where we can learn more later on just out of, you know, I guess you could say morbid curiosity. Yeah. Um, but I would never, I mean, I'm not one of those people. I, I just can't do it. I think it could be, a, this is what I think. I think it's, a, and this is the most reasonable explanation that I could come up with is that he was probably very scared. I think so. The intruder was probably very close close to him when he called 911 he didn't want to get hurt so he probably called him friend you know oh, help out my friend here you know in that sort of tone yeah uh, because he didn't want to be beaten in the head he with may a have hammer. said like i'm gonna call nancy or something right. like I, I that's that's why i want to right that's probably literally no yeah. more and 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 that's what's so sad about the way news and the world operates yeah. today yeah. is because when you don't get all the information which you never get all the information sure, sure. people immediately go into conspiracy theory land yeah. i i literally saw something today on facebook real quick that said like you know oh we've proven that time travel exists because of this 1932 video that shows someone on a cell phone and i literally said oh my god people are idiots i feel like people will just believe anything these days well when it comes to conspiracy theories to be if honest, you tell me you think there's time travel and people using cell phones no, in 1933, uh, I'm but i will say. tell you that uh, the overwhelming majority of the conspiracy theories started when donald trump became president and Alex, the Alex Jones era, I certainly blame Alex Jones for a lot of this I as do well. Too. But uh, I got to tell you, man, uh, we got to put an end to all this stuff. This is very dangerous. I do believe that the rhetoric and the hate speech being put forth by some politicians certainly could have led and probably did lead to this attack on Paul Pelosi. Nobody deserves that. And we also uh, should be uh, calling out those like Donald Trump Jr., who is a despicable, disgusting human being to begin with, um, who wants to put out jokes and memes uh, about somehow this being some sort of conspiracy theory, being some sort of gay relationship or something. Uh, somebody that I used to work with in radio is also doing that as well. The same people that defend Kanye West, the same people that think Donald Trump won the election in 2020, are also the same people that are putting out conspiracy theories about this Paul Pelosi attack. It's awful. It's wrong. It's disgusting. It needs to stop. Uh, the rhetoric, the political rhetoric and the hate needs to be toned down. Uh, it's dangerous. I don't like where this country is going. And I, we are so divided as a country, in my experience, at that voting uh, voting center uh, that I went to at Desert Breeze is a perfect example of that. I've never experienced anything like that before in my life. I've been voting for most of my life. I've never experienced anything like that before in my life. Uh, it's disgusting. Yeah, and yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry that it happened, and I agree with you. Like, <clears throat> I know we sometimes use words like 
we need to fight back. And when I say things like we need to fight back, I guess what I'm saying is, I, I mean, fight with your ideas, fight with your plans, not to physically lay on of hands, yeah. not to physically injure, not to physically yep. harm. It, I agree with you in that respect. It's gone yeah. too far. And I, I hate where we are today, too, because we don't well, trust the media. We don't trust one another. Yeah. We don't trust anything. And when you don't trust anything, you no will question. fall for everything. No question. And, uh, you know, we'll ask uh, Congressman Stephen Horsford uh, coming up next about that a lot to get to with him he's in a uh, heated race i guess you could say i don't know if it's close but certainly heated they've had a it couple heated debates uh, Stephen horsford and sam peters so the congressman will be joining us in studio next she's michelle mortensen i'm brian shapiro take a quick break be back right after this with Stephen horsford you're listening to pushing the limits right here on kshp <laughs> All right, welcome back. Pushing the limits on a Wednesday. We got some interesting guests joining the show here tomorrow. Yeah, we got Michelle Mortensen in studio today, and uh, we have uh, Stephen Horsford that's going to be joining us here in a couple minutes. The congressman will be here in just a few. Do you remember the name, Michelle? John Wayne Bobbitt. How could I not remember that name? <laughs> I remember the Reina too. Yes. Well, there's a new documentary coming out, and John Wayne Bobbitt has agreed to come on the show tomorrow. What are you going to ask? Him and his severed member will be joining us tomorrow on the show. Yes. Did they? I can't remember. Did they, like, surgically reattach it? They did, and then he became a porn star. Whoa. Yeah, so apparently it was functioning. Um, yeah. But I'll ask him for you if you're interested. He I'm might not, be single. I, I think oh. it's just the journalism morbid curiosity <laughs> that I'm like. Uh, we also have a... Uh, uh, a writer from a publication in Washington, a right-wing publication, who has made all these, made, wrote wrote an article about Stephen Horsford and his uh, marriage issues. And uh, I'm going to get this person on the line tomorrow and say, where were all the articles about Donald Trump? Where were those articles? I mean, we want to talk about the cheater in chief. I mean, I mean. So anyway, we'll get to that tomorrow. Stephen Horsford joining us here in just a few minutes. I want to tell you guys about my favorite gaming bar in town, Jackson's Bar and Grill. Every Sunday in November, fifty dollars free play after earning two hundred points. Also Tuesdays and Thursdays, I got my free bottle of wine. Two hundred points gets you a mystery bottle of wine to take home. Some restrictions do apply in every Vegas Golden Knights hockey game. All TVs and sound and pass the puck went up to hundred bucks in free play per period just for playing. Jackson's Bar and Grill. Please check them out. My favorite gaming bar in town, located at Flamingo and Jones. So, Michelle, we were talking a little bit about uh, the Paul Pelosi attack, uh, political violence in this country. We are very divided. I'm hoping that uh, things will settle down. But I, are you worried, as I am, that in a week from now, when we find out you know, who wins these races, right, in a week or so, that there will be more violence, that people will not be happy or accept the outcome of elections, and there will be more violence, because it worries me. I'm not worried that there's going to be more violence. I am concerned that there will be some folks who don't accept results. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not just saying necessarily in Nevada that could be the case. It really depends on how, you know, the cookie crumbles, right? Um, if you have a giant red wave, you know, will Democrats say, will, will Stacey Abrams say, oh, it was gone? I don't know. Um, if Adam Laxalt loses, will he claim it was fraud? I don't know, maybe. You I would know. say 100% if he doesn't win. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, so I think there's going to be a lot of accusations. And I think I'm more concerned... And maybe this is because I'm doing election night coverage. Um, I don't think we're going to have many results in Nevada on election night. Maybe not. That's possible. Maybe and not. I think there's going to be such a, a huge dump of mail-in ballots towards the end that we're going to be counting mail ballots, you know, seven, eight days afterward. I believe the law requires eight 
15 days afterward. Um, and some of these races are going to be so close that, you know, we might not know, we might not call it for a couple days. My opinion is there will be several elections. I'm not talking about the judges and some of the small. I'm talking about some of the major races. There's going to be a couple that are going to be close. Uh, this gentleman we have coming in right now, I don't think it's going to be close. I think he's going to destroy Sam Peters. That's just my personal opinion. I do think Lombardo, I could see Lombardo Sislak being a close race, even though I still think Sislak wins re-election. Um, I think the one that really bothers me and the one that I think is going to be very close is Adam Laxalt, Catherine Cortez Masto. I think it's going to be a very close election. Uh, I believe. I think it's going to be very close. Yes. Too. Yeah. I, I think Chad is going to get destroyed. I don't think she's going to win. She's going to get destroyed. Jim Marchant's going to get destroyed. Uh, he's just too wacky. At least this is what I think. I could be wrong. The only election I've been wrong on in, in, in my predictions in major elections was Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump in 2016. I was very wrong about that. Uh, I did say Joe Biden was going to win in 2020, and, and I've, I've predicted every other presidential race correctly since I was 18 years old. Uh, I haven't been wrong since I moved to Las Vegas in predicting elections when it came to the governor. I do believe Steve Sislak is going to win re-election. I, do, I wouldn't surprise me if it was close. Um, I think there's too many independents out there and too many Democrats out there that are not willing to vote for Joe Lombardo. That's just my personal opinion. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Again, I could be wrong on that one as well. I just don't think Lombardo's ran a very good campaign. And uh, I think Sislak's going to win re-election. Doesn't mean I think Sislak's perfect. I did vote for Steve Sislak yesterday for a lot of different reasons. I'm not very fond of Joe Lombardo. I also don't think Joe Lombardo is Kerry Lake. I don't think Joe Lombardo is Adam Laxalt. I'm not putting him in that category. I think he has some decency. But um, I just think some of his views are too far to the right for many moderate uh, Democrats and people in the middle. And I think uh, that's why Sandoval won here, because he was more moderate. I think the thing that's interesting and and all the political pundits, the reason why no one's saying it's going to be a red wave or no, it's going to be a blue wave, is that it's just too close to call. Like the Clark County firewall isn't as strong as it normally is for the Democrats, but it's still 8%, right? Unless the numbers today have changed. It's still at 8%. Um, That indicates to me that unless... We've got a lot of people, if people are straight ticket voting, it might be bad news for Republicans. I think what everybody's thinking, though, is that no one is straight ticket voting. You didn't straight ticket vote. No. So I think that's where there's only a few that I'm willing to call. Like, I, I'm pretty confident Stavros Anthony has this one in the bag. Like, I'll go I'll go on the record and call probably, that. Probably. Probably. I'm pretty confident April Becker has this one in the bag. I'll go ahead and call that one. But there's a lot of other races that I'm not willing to make predictions on just yet. Uh most likely, I don't disagree with you, but th- those are my opinions on what I think is going to happen. I think the lower the turnout, the more advantage that is to Republicans. I've always felt that way. I don't think a lot of young people are voting. I just don't. Young people never vote, and that's one of the things. That was one of the things. That I think I they voted about. in 2020. I think a lot of them voted more. more well, I think than, a lot of people voted in 2020. Yeah. I, I mean, it maybe just, we didn't have anything else to do, so. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Everyone was like, this ballot came in the mail. I guess I'll fill it out. Like, hey, you want to go to the game? Oh, wait, we can't. COVID. <laughs> Where do you want to go? Do you want to go to the supermarket? No, I guess we'll just vote. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> Voter turnout was just at phenomenal in 2020. I don't know. Um, but it's not looking very good. This is looking a little bit more like 2018, 2014. It's definitely a midterm election. And for whatever reason, midterms just aren't that, you know, exciting for anyone. Turnout's low. 
Yeah, it, it is low. And again, I think that's advantage to Republicans. It I, is an advantage. The larger the turnout, uh, the more advantages to Democrats. But uh, I don't know. Those are my opinions on what I think is going to happen. I certainly could be wrong. But, but we don't have a crystal ball. No. If we did, we'd make a lot more money because no, all of a sudden I would do sports betting. That's definitely true. My crystal ball <laughs> my crystal ball is betting the opposite of whatever Chris Wynn bets. That's my crystal ball. Okay. And it, it usually, How's it work for you? Very well, actually. You must uh, be a loaded man. I, I do I do pretty okay. Uh, I'll say that. Just bet the opposite of Chris Wynn and you're going to do just fine. So maybe I should. The problem is okay, Chris. So maybe I should start doing this. The problem, with though, is Chris is a diehard liberal. So he's just going to pick every Democrat to win. That's the problem. All right. Here's what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen. She's Michelle Mortensen. I'm Brian Shapiro. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Congressman Stephen Horsford is going to be joining us. Take a quick break. Be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Shopping is always easy with the Radio Shopping Show. Whether it's shopping during any one of our live shows right here on AM 1400 or listening live on the KSHP app, you can always call in at 702-221-7283 to pick up great deals with your favorite host. Or shop 24-7 at KSHP.com. Go to KSHP.com and select Shopper's Guide to browse hundreds of businesses featured on the show. Place your order online and we'll have it shipped right to your front door. With so many possibilities, it's hard not to shop. As a three-time international award-winning restaurant, Joe's New York Pizza uses only the freshest and best available ingredients. From giant slices of hand-tossed pie to calzones, strombolis, fingers, and wings, Joe's serves all your favorites. Stop in for a slice at one of their two Las Vegas locations at Paradise and Harmon or South Las Vegas Boulevard, or you can check out their menu at joesnewyorkpizzalv.com. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Wednesday. So glad you could join us. I, I just mentioned I voted yesterday, and I have no problem in saying who I voted for. I voted for the man that's sitting to my right. I voted for a few Republicans. I'm an independent, but we get a lot of people in studio here from the right and the left. I mean, everybody from Steve Sislak, who's been on this show, to Stavros Anthony, all sorts of different people. And uh, the man to my right right now joining me in studio is Congressman Stephen Horsford in a heated race against Sam Peters, who has ignored requests to come on this show. But I'm glad that the congressman has agreed to do so. Congressman, thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you. Appreciate you being here. So we're going to get to a lot of issues, including some sound clips from the last debate you had with Sam Peters. Uh, first of all, how's your campaign going? How's everything going? We're going to win in six days. Uh, you know, we're working. It's all about a ground game, getting out the vote, talking to voters every mm-hmm. single day from morning till night, connecting with them where they are. And there's a real sense that there's a lot at stake. Uh, they know the work that we've done uh, on behalf of the constituents in the 4th District in particular. And 
you know, I, I don't take any vote for granted, and I'm asking for support. So if you haven't voted yet, please vote Stephen Horsford for Congress. You can go to my website at stephenhorsford.com. Uh, and if you want to volunteer to make sure that we turn out this vote and win and win big, uh, we welcome you into our campaign to do that. So, Congressman, obviously I want to talk to you about a lot of the issues and a lot of the uh, problems facing this nation and this state. But before I get to that, what do you make of the fact that your opponent holds a press conference a couple days ago just making it personal, talking about your wife? Your wife made some statements on Twitter, and I don't know even if you want to address that at all. But he holds a press conference for maybe 10 minutes or so just talking about your personal life. Your wife. He doesn't talk about policy. He doesn't talk about criticisms in regards to your policy. And my criticism towards him is he's the same guy who supported Donald Trump. You've been very open and honest about maybe some marriage issues you've had in your life. But this is the man who supported Donald Trump. He never held press conferences about any of his sexual innuendos or whatever. But yet he holds a press conference about you. What did you make of that? Well, Sam Peters uh, has gone through a divorce proceeding himself. Um, marriages are tough. Relationships are tough. And they're especially tough on those of us who serve and have served in public life. Um, I love Sonia. She has blessed me with 20, 20, 22 years of great memories. Uh, We've been blessed with three phenomenal, gifted children, um, and I will never disparage nor tear down the person who I have built a life with for more than 20 years. Um, she's hurt, and I've caused some of that hurt. But for my opponent to use what is a very personal matter um, to create a political whatever is despicable. It says a lot about who he is, um, and it's why I'm going to kick his ass in six days. I hear you. One more question about this, and then I want to move on to what I consider to be much more important things. Um, your wife put out a tweet. She used the term, you were violent towards her. Can you respond to that? Because that's a serious accusation. And I know you said that, you know, listen, she's hurt. And I think that's understandable. We're all hurt when we get into situations where we break up with people. Can you respond to anything that she said? Is there any truth to that? The, the, the money situation uh, that, that she said that your attorney said to her and the fact that she used the term violent and bullied. Is there anything you can say to respond to that? What I'm just going to say is that um, we are working through a process in an amicable way to reach agreement. There is no – each of us have a choice about what we agree to. Neither one of us is involved in forcing the other to do something they don't want to do. Um, there's a lot of charged words because they're charged emotions. Sure. Um, but, again – I have nothing but the m most respect uh, for Sonia. I apologize to her, to my children, yes. and to my family. And I will spend the rest of my life working to restore the relationships uh, that I have contributed to harming in one way or another. Understood. Uh, I think that's well said. Do you find it interesting that a lot of the Republicans out there 
that seem to want to go after you personally for having uh, a relationship outside of your marriage are the same people that stood behind Donald Trump with the infidelities there, kids with three different wives, uh, 25 women accusing him of sexual assault or rape. Sam Peters, your opponent, has stood by Donald Trump for years now. I never saw him hold a press conference talking about Donald Trump. Do you find that interesting? And do you find it, you know, the definition of what I would call hypocrisy? Well, they're straight up hypocrites. Uh, they're hypocrites in a lot of different ways. But look, I, I will talk about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, my family, the circumstances under which, um, you know, we are working towards resolution is is something that it is is private. Yes. I am focused on doing that amicably, um, and Sam Peters or no other Republican has a right to intervene. Sonia asked early into this process to be uh, respected and to have privacy, and they won't even give her that. They don't care about families. If they did, they'd shut up and keep, keep my family's mouth uh, my family out of their mouth. Agree. The point of the matter is they've spent more time focusing on my family than the families who are struggling with high cost rent, families who are struggling to get back on their feet, families that are worried about you know how they're going to afford to pay next month's rent. Let, let's talk about the yes. Nevada family, the Nevada issues that are affecting families every single day. And if Sam Peters wants to uh, meet me in the back, to talk about my family, we'll have that conversation as well. Understood. All right, let's talk about the issues facing uh, this state uh, and this country, quite frankly. I want to play you a bit of audio from the last debate that you had with Sam Peters, and it had to do with student loans, which obviously you support, as do I. And then you bring up a very interesting point in this debate about how he took a loan during COVID, and we talked a little bit about hypocrisy. Have a listen to this. And are you for students getting relief from their loan? I'm going to answer your question. You asked me. You you asked me why Republicans didn't vote for it because they know the inflation rate would bring. For the loans that they're being forgiven, since you your loan was I don't, forgiven, I don't agree. Are you yes or no? I do not agree with. Okay, so it was okay for you program. to be okay. kept Completely your loan forgiven. Completely different scenario, Seventy-two thousand dollars. I had no choice. But he in doesn't the shutdown. want students. I had 70% no choice. Seventy percent of Nevadans receive a Pell Grant and benefit from getting their stu- student and, and loan and forgiven. Seventy uh, percent. And Mr. Peters, he's against that. Yeah. To the next. So basically, you're talking about the loan that he got during COVID. He had no problem, uh, you know, getting that loan forgiven. And then you're talking about student loans, which he's against. Talk about that. Well, not only is he against it, he called the American Rescue Plan socialism. So the, the bill that we passed to give relief to small businesses, including his, providing support here in Nevada, more than 150,000 businesses, got a PPP loan, a restaurant revitalization loan, an idle loan, or a um, shuttered venue grant loan in order to keep their businesses open to keep people employed. He received one of those for $72,000. Fortunately, he used it to retain employees. And he took the uh, provision that allowed him to forgive that loan. He also received $10,000 from the state of Nevada, funded by the American Rescue Plan that he called socialism. So is it socialism when it's, when it's for everybody else 
but it's A for your small business when it's for you. It's just it, you're, you're a hypocrite, it, bottom line. And, you know, the president made the decision about the student loan um, cancellation. That was something that was done by executive action. There are a lot of other things that we should be doing in Congress to make colleges more affordable so people don't have to go into debt. I have laid out several plans for legislation that I'm advancing to do just that. Uh, but the president had the authority to do what he did. And when you have these big businesses, I mean, Sam Peters owned a small business. We had big businesses that took out hundreds of millions of dollars of loans and got it forgiven. And then they're saying it's because of these kids who are first generation, second generation college students who work their way through school who are trying to get just a little bit of education to get ahead, that they're the problem with our federal budget because we gave them a ten or $20,000 loan forgiveness program. Now, yeah, there are, there are different ways that we could tailor it, right. but the hypocrisy of my opponent and others like him, again, he called it socialism. It's not socialism. It's helping people from businesses to workers to students right. to people staying in their homes. It's what we had to do in the middle of the worst global pandemic in history that disproportionately affected Nevada. And I will stand by my vote because yeah. my job is to deliver for my constituents. Yeah. And, and, and I, I did that. And I am 100 percent with you for that. And it seems like those that are against uh, the forgiveness for student student loans are the ones that are wealthy and well off themselves. At least it appears that way to me. Another moment in the debate that I think is very, very important, Congressman, is Sam Peters, I mean, I've called him an election denier. Same thing with Adam Laxalt and Jim Marchant and Segal Chata. I think these people are crazy and they don't live in reality. But I want to play you this moment in the debate you had. I think it's very telling because he will not answer the question, is Joe Biden a free and fair elected president? Here it is. In March in 21, I was interviewed by the New York Times. The election you was can in look November of 2020. In March, in March of 21, I was interviewed by the New York Times. And they asked me if Joe Biden was the duly elected president. What did you say I in November yes. of 2020? Did, did you challenge the Nevada electors? Did you challenge the Nevada electors? He says he's the president of the United States, but if you notice, he won't answer the question. He's the free and fair elected president of the United States. How do you deal with people like that? How do you deal with them? <laughs> How are voters easy. dealing with them? Voters are fed up with anyone, whether someone who's run for office, especially, or those who are running to actually oversee laws or election processes, like Jim Marchand, a very dangerous person who's trying to oversee Nevada elections, and he, he still um, won't even uh, you know, indicate where he was wrong in 2020. My opponent was part of the rhetoric that led to the insurrection on January 6th. I was at the U.S. Capitol when we were attacked. It wasn't just an attack on a U.S. Capitol building. It was an attack on our very democracy. Um, Capitol Police officers were beaten, bludgeoned. Windows of the Capitol were um, beaten uh, and smashed. Feces throughout the Capitol building and a number of other things that were just horrific. And then after that happened, more than 150 Republicans came back to the floor and still did not honor the will of the people. They still challenged the vote. And Nevada, we were one of five states that were being challenged. 
um, Arizona and, and Pennsylvania and a few others. And so I was in my office preparing to defend the Nevada electors yeah. and our process when we were told uh, to evacuate and to take cover. So Sam Peters, you know, and others contributed to that. He's a part of the Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, faction um, who has incited this along with Donald Trump. They don't deserve to be in office, let alone um, to protect all of us for having free and fair elections in our in our country. Congressman, what do you make of this? I mean, the Adam Laxalts of the world, the Jim Marchants, and, and those throughout the country, Republicans, that say if they lose, they won't accept the outcome of the election. Now, I know you want to win. I believe you will win. But I would imagine if you lose, you will accept the outcome of an election. There are people running for office here that have already said if they lose, they won't accept it. But if they win, everything's just fine. These are really weird times we're living in. What do you make of this? Well, I lost an election in 2014 by just over 3,000 votes. And I conceded to my opponent at that time, Crescent Hardy. I didn't like the – I didn't like losing. (laughs) But I knew that we didn't do the job we needed to to win. Mm -hmm. And – uh, after all the vote came in and all the analysis was done, I came up short and my opponent won. And I conceded and I moved on. Right. And that is how our democracy is supposed to work. Right now, we are in a different situation. But look, the power isn't with all these people. And I tend not to spend too much of my time yeah. talking about them because I'll lose, I'll lose it. <laughs> I, I spend time talking to the people who can make the difference. And the people who can make the difference are those who are sitting at home saying, mm, should I really vote? Mm, I know I got this mail ballot that was sent to me the other day, but I haven't opened it. I don't know all of the people that are on the ballot, so I'm not. Uh, I'm really not interested. Or what's the difference? The parties are pretty much the same. I'm tired of all these negative ads, so I'm just going to zone out. I'm more focused on reaching them, whether it's by going door to door, whether it's calling them, whether it's texting them, because they matter. They're the ones who are ultimately going to turn out and determine these elections, particularly some of these statewide races that are very close. Um, And I don't take my vote or my election for granted, and that's why I'm spending an inordinate amount of time reaching the people that I know I have to reach in order in order to win my race. So, Congressman, you're, you're a very passionate person, and I've seen you speak in, in regards to gun control. Your father sadly lost his life uh, to gun violence. I've seen you speak passionately about this issue. As you know, October 1, the biggest mass shooting in the history of this country. Many Republicans don't seem to have many solutions other than harden our schools and more guns. What I try to say on the air every day is the reason why we have more of this problem than pretty much anywhere else in the world is because we have more guns than people in this country. Can you speak to that and your passion for gun control and how difficult it has been for you to get Republicans to agree with you on this issue? Well, first, I want to start with what we were able to do, which was pass a bipartisan Safer Communities Act, the first comprehensive bill in 30 years passed in Congress. That was no easy feat. Um, There were Republicans in the Senate, um, namely Senator Cornyn, who was a part of a number of meetings that I participated in where we were working on literally the provisions of the bill. So in brief, the bill provides for enhanced background checks, particularly for uh, young people under 21. 
It addresses the red flag laws. Nevada is one of the states that's implementing red flag laws, particularly around preventing people who have committed domestic violence or uh, who have uh, mental health issues that are documented from being able to possess a gun. But we don't have all the systems in place. This bill, the Safer Communities Act, helps those states that have passed those laws implement that effectively. It addresses the bump stock issue, which was directly the case of uh, what was used in the one October shootings. But beyond all of the gun provisions, it invests $2 billion into anti-violence programming and funding and investments that we know can actually curb gun-related violence including my bill to break the cycle of violence. So we did a number of things, put more resources in schools for psychologists and counselors, more money for after-school programs under 21st century so that we can keep kids, particularly high school students, in positive environments. My bill to break the cycle of violence, in that portion we got $250 million, which is just a down payment, but that goes to community-based nonprofits and faith-based organizations, some of whom are doing the work. Pastor Troy Martinez, Martinez right here in our community runs the Dads in Our Schools program. Mm-hmm. These dads are volunteering right now to keep our kids safe. They're not paid to do that. Right. We have the Safe Villages program that um, uh, Pastor Cherry and others have run anytime there's a gang-related uh, shooting. They're the ones who respond, sometimes before the police even respond. They're not funded to do that work. Under my bill, they are now funded. Mm -hmm. And we actually bring some of the people who have been previously affected by gun violence, some of whom actually committed gun violence, into the process because they know how best to stem it. My my job is not to pass policy to keep the issue going. Right. When I talk about breaking the cycle of violence, I'm talking about disrupting it, ending it, stopping violence before it occurs. And there are evidence-based practices that have worked that we don't fund. And now because of my bill and what we were able to do with the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, we will begin to start. It won't solve all the problems, but it's better than doing nothing. I agree. 100 people a day die due to no fault of their own and, and census gun violence, and more than 200 people are injured at the hands of gun violence that could be prevented. I applaud you for doing that. I really do. What would you say to people out there like the Seagal Chatters of the world after the Uvalde shooting who said, oh, this is just a rare occurrence. People like Ted Cruz who say kindergarten teachers should be armed with weapons. Uh, Many of these Republicans do not want an assault weapons ban when we know, as you know, that when the assault weapons ban was put in place by Democrats, gun violence went down. And then when Republicans allowed it to just expire, went back up again. What would you say to these people out there that you have to work with? What would you say to them when they say, no, don't want an assault weapons ban, 18 years old, you should be allowed to buy as many AR-15s as you want with an, as much ammunition as you want. What would you, what, how do you deal with these people? I guess what's, that's what I'm trying to ask you, and how do you work with them? Number one, you know, I, I believe in the Second Amendment, and there's both the balancing of the rights under the Second Amendment and the balancing of the rights of everyone else to stay alive. And you, yeah. we can achieve both. Mm-hmm. It's a false choice to say that we can't. Mm-hmm. Um, I represent a very big district, a lot of rural areas, people who have a gun for safety of their home. It's, a, it's a, a, their lifestyle, way of life. I'm not trying to come take away people's guns. What I'm trying to do is prevent 
those 100 deaths a day right. due to gun violence that can be prevented and the more than 200 who who are injured at the hand of a gun yep. that we can prevent. Sure. We have to be able to do something. Again, if some of these people on the other side don't get it, get out of my way yep. and allow me to work with the people that I can. Yep. We got to build through with Republican votes in the House and the Senate because we worked with those of us who want to find solutions. Some of these people, Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Freedom Caucus, right. they don't want to find solutions. Right. They, they want the problem to continue. They want to use this to just grow more likes on Twitter and more you know, hits on social. I'm not in office for that. You want to I'm, save lives. I'm in it to yep. actually pass legislation yeah. and, to save lives. And nobody lives. better for you, and I'm so sorry what happened to your father, but you know, sadly, what it's like to lose a loved one to gun violence. And sadly, I would say, I want people like you, you know what it's like, sadly, to go through a, a horrible experience like that, and you don't want that to happen to anybody else. All right, Michelle Mortensen is my co-host today. <laughs> Michelle wanted to ask you a few questions in regards to policy. Michelle, take it away. Thanks, yeah, let's talk about inflation. That's like my, not my favorite thing to talk about because I love inflation, but inflation's a really big deal right now. And a CBS poll taken in the middle of October found that 76% of Nevadans say they're feeling a real hardship right now when it comes to prices. Nevada, as of today, according to AAA, has the third highest gas prices in the nation. I know that you voted and supported the American um, the Inflation Reduction Act. And depending on whom you listen to, a Wharton School of Business, the CBO office, they claim that it's not going to bring any relief for inflation here in the short term. Um, what would you say to that? Do you, th- do you say that those analysis from places like the CBO are, are incorrect? And if they are, could you explain how they're incorrect? Well, first, I get what people are feeling because I grew up here, raised by a single mom. I know what it's like to struggle and not have enough money to meet all of the your needs to come up short at the end of the month and worry about the rent and food and gas and child care and unfortunately some of these things are uh, uh, you know higher and on top of that people's wages are not keeping up with it so first is I get it there are a number of factors that are contributing to inflation as a whole I tend to like to break down specific areas like housing and rent which in my district has gone up almost 30% since 2019. We have the second highest rents in the nation here in Nevada. And so why is that? That is for two reasons. Number one, we have a bunch of -of out-of-state corporate speculators who are buying up a bunch of property in cash, pricing out people from veterans from using their VA, first-time home buyers who saved up a little bit of money, people who are trying to move up into a little larger home. They priced all them out. Even the ones who buy and then offer them for rent are gouging the renters, evicting them at higher rates, and not even providing maintenance on the property, which lowers the property value in the entire community. That's not something that has been done because of any specific economic uh, proposal by the current administration. It's because of corporate greed and speculators. That's why I've introduced a bill called the Home Act to go after these out-of-state corporate speculators. Now, where we have been able to reduce cost for families, we have. The prescription drug bill, which does reduce cost. It caps out-of-pocket costs for seniors at $2,000. That's my provision. On average, seniors on Medicare were paying something around $5,100 a year. My bill caps it at $2,000. That's $3,000 more that people now have to spend somewhere else not paying for drugs. 
Also, capping insulin at $35 is huge. The provision around the Affordable Care Act and the premium credits, those premium credits save, on average, 20,000 Nevada families $2,300 a year that they would otherwise have to come out of their pocket. They don't have it, so we're providing that tax uh, credit for them in order to get that health care because the last thing we need is for people to lose their health care. And then finally, on, under the Inflation Reduction Act, we make the largest investment in climate to address things like the drought, to address things like new renewable energy for solar, which creates jobs, which does reduce the cost of energy. Now, there that's one bill. The Chips and Science bill and the infrastructure bill also had provisions in it to reduce contributing factors to it for inflation. For example, in the infrastructure bill, we had issues at the port where small businesses couldn't get their product because they were only operating one shift a day before we passed the infrastructure bill. Now that that bipartisan bill's passed, the, the, the ports out of California operate 24-7. What's contributing to the delay now? We don't have enough truckers to take the product off of the boats to get them disseminated to the end users who need it across the country. That's why I'm focused on an investment in workforce development to help train another generation of truckers through apprenticeship. And then the Chips and Science Act we're talking about semiconductors that are in everything from our computers to our phones to medical devices, pretty much everything that we use. We were over-reliant on Taiwan and other places for those components, which drew, dr dr drives up the cost for those items for the things that we need to buy here. So under our legislation now, we're manufacturing those things here in America. Is it happening overnight? No. But these are the actions that we've taken. And the, my question to my opponent and other people is, what's your plan? Mm. How are you going to fix the inf inflation? Yeah. What, how are you going to drive down the cost for housing and for child care and for uh, food? Do you, you, mm. you can point out it's a problem or you can actually propose a solution. The only solution that they've proposed is to make the Trump tax cuts permanent and how are they going to do that? By gutting Medicare and Social Security, which actually are trust funds. You can't even touch them. Yeah. But they are so hell-bent on taking away those benefits uh, from people who need them. That's one of their plans uh, that they have said in their own agenda that they're going to do if they are successful in taking over the majority. Michelle, before you get to your next question, what he is speaking of, I want to play another clip real quickly of his debate with Sam Peters because you talk about where's your solution and hypocrisy. This is a moment in the debate where Sam Peters brings up the baby formula issue. Just have a listen to this moment. <laughs> when I was in Tonopah on the way back from Minden, I went into the grocery store in Tonopah and I, what I found was baby formula in a locked cabinet out of reach of consumers. So you want to talk about supply chains. You want to talk about your effectiveness and as you a congressman. Not one Republican me. voted for the Excuse bill because, to provide more right. formula because relief. They want, because no, they want because to you guys are against they want families. You are Congress only for big corporations. Yes, I have you a, are. I have a great family. It's okay Excuse me, gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, when you talk about his family, he doesn't like that, but he has no problem talking about your family. Um, it's an important part in the debate, in my personal opinion, because he's complaining about the baby formula shortage. 
correct me if I'm wrong, Congressman, but Democrats came up with a solution, and all the Republicans vote against it, but he doesn't want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. They voted against the baby formula uh, solution. Not one Republican voted for the baby formula solution when there was the shortage. Not one voted to hold big oil accountable when they were gouging consumers as they continuing to do. They have record profits. Yes, there are other contributing factors, but when you, when one company makes the most they've ever made in the last two quarters and our gas prices are still going up, mm -hmm. you can't tell me they're not part of the problem. Uh, that not one of them voted uh, to hold Big Pharma accountable to reduce prescription drugs. Um, not one of them uh, voted to, to make sure that we provided relief to small businesses through the American Rescue Plan, but Sam Peters, you know, took the dough and would vote no, uh, and he's fine with him getting uh, a loan forgiveness for for his loan, but believes that students getting a student loan forgiveness are the problem with our federal budget. It's just that type of hypocrisy. And yeah. look, my bottom line is I'm not here to argue with my opponent. The voters are going to decide in six days mm -hmm. who wins. Then we have to govern. And what I know in governing, both in my days here in the state Senate and in Congress, you have to be able to build alliances. You have to be able to work with people on the other side of the aisle. I'm a member of the Problem Solvers Caucus. It's half Republican, half Democrats. We're moderates. We're not the extremes. We don't get a lot of attention, but we work every week to find solutions to problems. Right now, the telehealth bill that just got passed is one of the priorities that we all work together on. We had a bill on mental health to better address the opioid crisis. Like, there are things that we're doing every day that we don't get attention for. But that's what it takes to actually get things done. And I challenged my opponent a couple times as well. It's like, you can, you can stand here and use national talking points from the party that they gave you, or you can actually know what it takes to get things done. Right. It's not easy. It's a hard job. Mm -hmm. um, and particularly because of all the rank and rhetoric and just divisiveness, it's even harder and it's um, increasingly becoming more dangerous to serve. Beyond the sacrifice that it causes to you and your family, mm. it's, it's, a, it's a threat now because of the, the rhetoric. You have to check the locations of where you're going before you show up. You've got to make sure that, you know, people that you're meeting with aren't there to somehow uh, attack or, or put you in a, in a compromising situation. What? We saw what happened with Paul Pelosi. That's what and I wanted to ask you. As a congressman, what goes through your mind when you heard about what happened to Paul Pelosi? I mean, first, your heart just aches with pain. You know, it's so sad that this is where things have come. And I, didn't, I did not post... I wasn't the first person out to say this is this group doing it, and I wanted to know what the facts were. Right. But now it's pretty obvious this person is a part of the QAnon, you know, uh, uh, website. He believes all the stuff that he's been reading. He believes that Pelosi is the reason for all of his problems, and now he went and attacked an 82-year-old man. That man is, yeah, he's a husband. He's a father. He's a grandfather. I know his grandkids. Mm. They don't need to have their grandfather beaten upside his head and have to, no. his skull 
fractured because yeah. they don't agree. Yeah, do you agree with me that when Scalise was shot, we all agreed, right, that Democrats did, that this was horrible, it was terrible? I didn't see Democrats going on social media, funny memes, making jokes about Scalise when he was fighting for his life. Yet we have Donald Trump Jr. with these funny memes and uh, conspiracy theories about some sort of gay relationship he had. I mean, to me, it's just absolutely despicable, right? I, I didn't hear Democrats doing that when Scalise was shot. Because one is we wouldn't. But it's more than despicable. It's disgusting, and they need to be held accountable because yeah. as long as it continues, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Look, after 9-11, when George Bush stood up on the rubble in New York and said, we're all Americans and we're defending our country against the enemy, yeah. I didn't agree with everything about what he stood for as a president, but that day he was the president. Right. And, and I'm tired of certain factions because they don't like policies that they somehow want America to fail or they want our president to fail. I'm not in the business of failing. I know growing up here in Las Vegas, we've been through a lot of crap over the years. Mm -hmm. We came through 9-11. We came through the downturn of the housing crisis in 08. We've come out of this pandemic. But what I know about Las Vegas in particular is we're resilient people. We don't give up. Right. We fight. We look out for one another. We care about our community. We will give someone the shirt off of our back right. if that is what they need. And I believe that when we focus on what we can actually still get done together, for everybody, we can accomplish something yeah. very, very good. And that is where I try to put my sure. energy and effort because, sadly, the other side wants to tear down. I'm for building up. Mm -hmm. Others want to tear down. I'm, I'm not for you. that. Michelle, go ahead. Okay, um, a couple of more questions if I can. So with gas prices, I guess I'm one of those conservatives who kind of agrees with you on this, that we should be going green. We need to do more things with green. Let's go with green energy. I do struggle with the fact, though, that why can't we produce more American oil? Because we're the cleanest oil. We're way cleaner than anything we could get from Iran or Argentina. So I don't actually know where you stand on this issue. Are you interested in doing both at the same time because my feeling is is that the left is not interested in doing both they only want to do one the green energy is there a way to do both and and how do you feel about that i i'm an all of the above energy uh advocate i believe that we can do both together all of uh, when you say the left you know we have a very diverse group of uh um colleagues in our caucus yeah so what one or two may think is not what all of us think right and right now there are major big oil companies in fact that are investing a lot in uh renewable energy development because they know that's the future right they're converting their refineries um you know coal plants are being closed a poor part of my bill that was passed that's in included in the Inflation Reduction Act around the Green Act, actually gives credits to convert from a coal mine, um, uh, uh, like the one out in Reed Garner, into a solar uh, development for energy production. But there are ways to phase in those developments as well. You're not going to just have all clean energy tomorrow. It, right. it takes time. Right. Um, so would you support more 
production of American oil? Would you support um, reopening the pipeline, the Keystone XL? Would you support any of that or giving more opportunities to build a refinery? I don't think we've had a new refinery built here in the state since 1973. Around the refineries, yes, it has to be environmentally sound. It needs to be done in a way particularly that doesn't impact communities of color, indigenous communities, Native American communities that are not always consulted, even though it's their land or their water that are that is, that is impacted. I believe that that is something that is uh, open for debate. Keystone, honestly, had they done a better job of negotiating with the tribes, there were tribes who wanted that project done. But it's the way they went about it and putting the line directly through the tribal land and it's sovereign land. You don't get to just drill a, a, a pipeline through uh, this tribal government's land without their consultation. Um, and unfortunately, the prior administration just wanted to push it through. Well, you can't because now you're going to have it held up in lawsuits. So there are things that can be done, but it's the way you do them. And I believe that you can have multiple approaches for more energy production while we move to a more clean uh, uh, energy economy. You talked about the college loan relief with Brian for a minute, but I, I wanted to ask, I just learned this statistic yesterday, 72% of Nevadans don't have a college degree. So is I guess my question is twofold. Knowing that, do you think that it should fall on the shoulders of all Americans? And do you think in hindsight, Biden should not have done it as an executive order and this should have been something that was addressed by Congress? Well, I absolutely prefer when it's legislatively done because there are things that we can do that the executive order can't. For example, I have a bill right now that would allow short-term training, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, to qualify for Pell Grant. Right now, under the Pell Grant program, only a two-year and four-year degree qualify for Pell Grant assistance. Why? Somebody decided only a two-year and four-year degree is suitable to get a Pell Grant. That, to me, is classist, because there are a lot of jobs that we could be training for that don't require a two-year degree, but those individuals who are going to these 12-week, 16-week programs, they don't get any Pell Grant assistance. I have a bill to fix that. I want that bill to be brought up, because that would actually address college affordability for people through trade schools, through apprenticeship, through employer-based training. We also have an, um, an, an initiative around more apprenticeship. It's called the National Apprenticeship, where we would develop a million new apprentices, not only in building trades. We need apprentices in medicine. We need apprentices um, in areas like uh, renewable energy and in these new areas of the new sectors that we're actually building. Um, and we can take the model that has worked effectively with apprenticeship and adopt them into new sectors like manufacturing. So those are some of the uh, legislative proposals that I and others are trying to advance. And yes, if Congress, with the Senate, that we can get the bills through. We pass these bills in the House, but they don't go anywhere in the Senate because they don't have the 60-vote threshold that they need to uh, bring them to the floor. So unfortunately, too many of these bills get stuck. Well, Congressman, um, I really appreciate you being here. Time goes by really fast. I'll be honest with you. I voted yesterday, and I voted for you. Not because I think you're perfect. Nobody's perfect. 
But I know how passionate you are about the issues, and I think you're on the right side of history, whether it be gun control or health care. You want to help people that are struggling. I I really believe you when you talk about these issues, and I know how passionate you are. And the other reason being, I believe your opponent is a buffoon, but I would never, you know, call people names, but he's unfit for office. And uh, anybody who's an election denier uh, and says the things that he says on a regular basis, um, I I would never vote for somebody like that. But before we go, I want to give you the opportunity. Please give out your website, how people can get involved with your campaign. I know we're only like a week away, year less, but uh, give out that information if people People even want to learn more about you if they don't know already. Well, thank you. And it's great to be on. Thank you for the conversation. Sure. We love to have people in, engage. We've got six days to win, and we need your help to do that. You can go to my website at stephenhorsford.com. That's stephenhorsford.com. You can also follow us on all of our social platforms at Stephen Horsford from Twitter to TikTok to uh, Instagram and and Facebook, but it's all about reaching people where they are. We need volunteers. If you want to come in and make a shift, canvas, talk to folks on the phone. Uh, We have got a big kickoff this Friday, uh, the 4th, as part of um, First Fridays at our main campaign office on Main Street. Uh, So come check us out. Come meet me and talk about the issues and how we're moving Nevada for forward. Well, I can imagine, Congressman, you're not getting a lot of sleep these days. You've been at it, but I, I do appreciate you coming in and taking the time. It's a pleasure to, to, to finally meet you in person, and hopefully we can have you on again after you win, because I believe you will. Uh, Congressman Stephen Horsford, thank you so much. Michelle, thank you for being here as well. That's a wrap, folks. We'll see you tomorrow, uh, and uh, have a great day.